the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we continue in this series with a look at the life of Joshua called When God Calls You. As God never intended the wilderness to be the final destination for the Hebrews, instead, like Joshua, he wanted them to set their sights on his provision, the positive outlook, and unwavering faith. So is your current frame of mind directing you towards the wilderness or to the promised land? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then you may do so also right there at reallife.org. The text is Joshua chapter 1. The message from Pastor Sean is called A New Home. It's time for Radio for Real Life. So as you heard, we're in a series called Joshua, When God Calls You. Okay, and it seems like whenever we go into one of these series of conversations, God kind of talks to me through my life circumstances. Like some of you guys know, we, we just moved. Okay, and we moved in and we are really stoked about being in our new place. But you know that that's a huge process. If you've ever done the thing where you kind of move and build we have another friend in our community group right now who's in the process, and they told us, oh, our house is up for sale, and we started construction, and they're in that place. And we're, we're just like, we can pray with sympathy. Because you know what it's like when you fix up a house to sell? It's like all the great things you wish you would have done when you lived there, now I'll do it for someone else. I'm going to spend all this money. I don't get to enjoy it. No, 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 no. I live with that door hanging off the hinges, but, you know. Now I'm going to pay the money, and I'm not going to get to enjoy the nice, well, good-working door, you know? I'm going to pay the money, and I'm not going to enjoy the beautifully painted room or the, you know, the shrubbery or whatever we put in. And that's how you get your house ready to sell. And then we did the apartment thing, which was great, you know? And I, I don't complain. When Willie and Rachel moved, they did the little kind of small trailer on the property. And, you know, that was like, and it was like, it wasn't even a trailer. It was just like a little kind of one of those little mobile home RV things. It was like, wow, these guys, they were Spartan. We had this little apartment, and we thought, oh, it's going to be plenty. And when we moved in, it was so great. And we were just like, oh, honey, we could actually live like this. Maybe we should not build. Maybe we should just take our money and, and kind of bank it and kind of, you know, we could just live like this. And then the second day came, and we're like, no. Okay? <laughs> no. No. And then the th- third and fourth. Because at first, you're kind of making the best of it. It's fine. It's fine. But this thing was small. And so we're in this little apartment, and I love my wife, but I mean, she's close. I'm like, Lori, oh, there you are. Yes, good to see you, sweetie. So anyway, we're ready to move in, right? And so we go through the months and that whole thing, and then there's the construction process and all the decisions, and, you know, our marriage not only survived, it thrived through it, you know? And thank you. (laughs) Several people who built before, God bless you. But, you know, you build in and you finally move in. And then at that point, and the move isn't necessarily fun. It's like another move after all you've been through and all this stuff. And now you have another move. But you do that. And then when you're in, it's like, ah, oh, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And it's just like, okay, now we're, we're home. 
What if you had to go through all the, the stuff, all the junk of the move, the getting the house ready to sell, the expense and the moving and the little small cramped space while you build and all that, but you never got to move in. And you just perpetually lived in that place of, you know, kind of getting ready to, but never getting there. Well, that'd be ridiculous, right? As I'm thinking about what we're going to talk about today, I think a lot of Christians sometimes live their Christian life that way. They live their Christian life as though, hey, you know, we're, we kind of know we needed, something needs to happen. We know we need to change. No, God has something different for us. And so we start, but we never actually get there. And so we live in this weird spiritual limbo. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, the title of our message is A New Home. Now, remember the series is Joshua when God calls you. And we started out with this passage of scripture where God actually called Joshua. And the first words were like, Moses, my servant is dead. And we've all followed really probably leaders who are more experienced or farther down the road than us, maybe even who we consider to be better leaders. But I don't think we had the same experience as Joshua when Moses was dead. Because Moses was like God's man. Moses carried the rod of God. And it must have been an unbelievably daunting moment when Joshua really realized Moses is dead. And God is now saying, you're the one who's going to lead these people. You're the one. And remember, our main point last week was Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. See, it wasn't Moses who did all the miracles. God used him. God worked through him. But it was God who did the the miracles. It was God's power. It wasn't Moses. And God said to Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. And remember, we talked about how, how Joshua was now at the cusp of something entirely new. Everything he'd experienced with Moses, everything he'd experienced in his life was different than what he was about to go into. And we talked about how God really does want to do a new thing, and he wants to use us. And the question is, will we let him do a new thing? Or will we get so stuck in the same old, same old, in the old thing, that it's like, God, I, I'm, 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 I know it's not great, I know it's not perfect, but... I'm stuck in my routine, so I'm just going to stay here. God wants to do a new thing, and he wants to use you and I. And the question is, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Are we willing to do that? Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 1. We're going to look at that same passage again, but I want to highlight something different. Joshua 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. The Lord is speaking to him. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. Note that phrase, the land. Okay? Into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land, there it is again, I swore to their ancestors to give them. Go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. And then he skips down. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of, there it is again, the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. These were a people who knew that they were about a land. God had a land for them. They'd been nomads, and now they were moving in. You have to understand, these people had this sense of a land for them. God had started it with great-great-grandfather Abraham. Remember in Genesis 12, when he called Abraham, he said, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your people, your family, and go to the land I'm going to show you. And he gives him a promise about what's going to happen there. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you. 
I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And we're told that he actually went through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then Genesis 12, 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this land, there's these tribes, the Canaanites who are there. They were nomadic tribes, but they're in this land. He says, this is your land, Abraham. And I can imagine Abraham going, God, will will you tell them? And God goes, "I'll, I'll show them. That time will come. But the promise was this idea of a land. He passed that on to his son Isaac, and then Jacob, and Joseph, and then all of those who ended up in Egypt. And you remember when God called Moses at the burning bush, he said, I've heard the cries of my people. I've seen their affliction. And then Exodus 3.8, he said to Moses, he said, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. In other words, they're in someone else's land right now. And I'm going to bring them to their own place where there's plenty of room. A land flowing with, and there's that phrase, milk and honey. Does sound sticky, doesn't it? The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. But Moses understood, I'm not just setting these people free, I'm bringing them to a land. Well, you know how that story goes. They get to the edge of the land, and they assign 12 spies, one from each one of the tribes, to go into the land and to check it out. And they do. They go in. And when they come back, They have quite a story to tell. In fact, I thought I'd get some helpers to help me with that. Can I get the spies to come out? Give a warm hand to our spies. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the fruit is huge. It's also South American, but I digress. Guys, hold on, that's kind of heavy. Put that down, put that down, you're going to hurt yourself. Hey, guys, lift with your legs, lift with your legs, careful. That's heavy, that fruit is heavy. We're told in the scripture that the fruit was unbelievably heavy, it was just huge, that they carried these clusters on poles. It was so big. And they came back and said, it is exactly as we were told. This land is flowing with milk and honey, the fruit is unbelievable, it's huge. But the people are also huge. And by this time, they have big cities and fortifications And they seem a lot bigger than us. They seem a lot stronger than us. And so there emerged from these 12 spies two different reports. Okay, This is Joshua and Caleb. They were two of the spies. And they had a similar report. Theirs was a sense that, hey, I think God's doing something here. In fact, what, 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 what was the report? God, God, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. God, God, he's our man. If he can't do it, Love that report. Mm. God, God, he's our Excellence. Give these spies a big hand. Now, but there was, as there usually is, a difference of opinion. There were other perspectives. And these guys had, these are kind of our realists. They had seen the cities. They'd seen these people. They'd seen their weaponry. And they were like, this is a huge obstacle. We've never seen anything like this. In fact, what was their report? something about a negative report. It seems like bad news always has more kind of people heralding it. It's kind of one of those things that always seems to just kind of take over. And so more and more of the people were saying, no, 
But there were still two who were saying, That was the best you guys have ever done that, by the way. That was really, that was excellent. That was good. Okay, hold on. Now, these are the spies. The people have to actually respond. They have to decide what they're going to believe. So, you guys, what would you, which report would you believe? Let me, let me hear it. You guys, yeah, yeah. Help them out. They're trying to say yours. Okay, stop, stop. Let me just say, I want to believe you. I do, okay? I want to think the best of you. You're you're our church, come on. The problem is we have the benefit of hindsight. We know how the story goes. They were standing on the edge of a truly, in their minds, an insurmountable obstacle. And so we're going to see how the people actually decide. Guys, thank you. Thank our spies. Be careful. This is heavy. Careful with that. Hey, lift with your legs. Don't use your back. Come on. Don't hurt yourselves. Go. Go. Get out of here. Get off my stage. (laughs) I love those kids. Thank you, guys. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A New Home. The series is called Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, A New Home. This is Radio for Real Life. I wish the people would have responded the way you just did. I wish they would have said, wait a minute, it's true. God, God, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. But they didn't. In fact, in Numbers chapter 14, beginning at verse 1, we read this. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. And these were not tears of joy. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, so they grumbled about them, and now they're going to talk to them. And they said to them, if only we died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives, our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They were slaves. They were beaten. They were oppressed. Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader. Now remember they were talking to Moses and Aaron. Now they're talking to each other amongst themselves. 
we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. In other words, someone other than Moses and Aaron. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, so here's these people, this huge meeting, and they, they just are begging them. They're, they're, they're tearing their clothes in like mourning, begging them. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I mean, that's a pretty compelling speech. It's making me want to say, God, God, he's our man. But they didn't. In Numbers 14, skip down a few verses, 22, we read that they say no. People say no. In fact, God and Moses begin to have this conversation. God wants to strike them down. Or at least he's declaring the justice of striking them down. And Moses intercedes, and God stays his hand. But God does say this in verse 22. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. The stories they'd heard, Father Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, none of it. They are not going in. No one who's treated me with contempt will ever see it. This phrase is, to me, just heartbreaking. Not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt, they were there. They saw the plagues. They walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. They drank the water from the rock. And for some reason, something had happened to where in the face of this human adversary, this human and physical obstacle, their faith <laughs> turned to jello, and they refused. And we know the story. That entire generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, did die in the wilderness. Forty years. Fascinating. When, you know, we talk about the sovereignty of God. Joshua and Caleb led the next generation. That's what the book of Joshua is, we're seeing. They led that next generation. We, we have these conversations about the sovereignty of God and free will of men, and we know God's sovereign will was that his people would possess the land, and a whole generation of people exercised their free will and said no. And they perished. But a new generation was raised up. A new generation understood what was happening. A new generation learned the lessons. See, they understood the goal is not just to leave Egypt. The goal is to live in the land of promise. The goal is not just to leave Egypt. It's great to get, be free from slavery. It's great to be free from the oppression of sin, of darkness. But there is something that God has for us. That's not the end. That's the beginning. The goal is to live in the land of promise. And Joshua and a new generation, we're going to receive the inheritance that the previous generation rejected and perished for it. See, the promised land had all kinds of meaning for them. It wasn't just real estate. This is not about real estate. It was about an, an inheritance. It was about an identity. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to take you to a land and make you a nation. And that land was part of that. I'm establishing something for my glory, says the Lord. And I want to use you and pour out my glory and my blessing. It was about security. God says, I want to take care of you. You can trust me. It was about peace. It's about provision. Everything you need, milk and honey. 
It's about purpose. God had a purpose through Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless the whole world, and this is going to be my staging point. I want to do something through you. I want you to be something. An entire generation of people, because of fear, said no. I think there is some very powerful New Testament application for us. In fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, I I really encourage you to turn in your copy of scriptures, Hebrews 3, and then we're going to read on into 4. We're going to start with verse 14. The writer makes some very powerful applications regarding this to the New Testament believer. He begins and he says this in Hebrews 3. He says, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. That's a fascinating idea. It's when we come to know Christ, we recognize I'm lost in my sin. Apart from him, I I cannot be saved. My sin has put a death penalty on me. And Jesus Christ, who had no sin of his own, gave up his life voluntarily to pay my just, righteous death penalty. So I can't save myself. And salvation is all about understanding that and thanking him and receiving that gift, letting his sacrifice pay the penalty for my sins. But, But the point is, It's very possible for us to say, yeah, I want salvation. I don't want to go to hell. And and then kind of go, okay, but that's it. I'm done, right? No, you got to understand, it wasn't just about avoiding hell. God has something he created us for. And apart from him, we'll never experience it. And the writer's saying, we will want to share in Christ. And all that that means, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As, as As has just been said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear they will never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that if they were not able to enter because of their unbelief, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that, and, and note that phrase, I love that, entering his rest. Wait a minute, he's talking about the promised land, entering his rest. Just kind of tag that. The promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found with fallen short of it. For we also have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Note that connection. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. They shall never enter my rest. See, the goal is not just to leave Egypt. The goal is to live in the land of promise. In leadership circles, we talk about going from here to there, right? Because that's fundamentally the leadership job, taking people from here where we are to there. And understand, Bottom line, as a leader, if you've ever led people, you know you're fundamentally taking someone. When you're really moving people, you're taking them from somewhere where they're kind of comfortable and they've settled to someplace they don't want to go. And you go, well, how do you know? That's kind of dark. That's kind of glasses half empty. Well, I know they don't want to go there or they'd already be there. And we tend to get comfortable and kind of just kind of do our thing and kind of just make do. And leadership is all about saying, no, no, no. Here is not the final destination. And we've got to paint a picture of there that is compelling. That's what vision is. It's a picture of a compelling future that says we're willing to leave here and go through the the tough middle space to get there. To get there. The focus is not just on leaving here. The focus is there. And they forgot that. I'm afraid a lot of us as Christians live in this weird kind of wilderness experience somewhere between the past and the promise. 
I think sometimes we know we needed to leave Egypt. We understood our need. You man, our sin was hurting us. It was hurting others. And I don't want this anymore. And man, Jesus sounds great. I want to be forgiven. I don't want to be guilty. I want to be free. But it's like we kind of then just step out and okay, now I'm just not that anymore, but I don't really know what I'm supposed to be. And we end up in this middle wilderness longing sometimes for Egypt. At least there I could do what I wanted. But never understanding, no, no, there's something we're created for. God has a place, a land of promise. And it's not a place we're just supposed to visit. It's a place we're supposed to live. The state of living in him. A couple things Paul makes real clear from that Hebrews passage and I want us to look at. Number one, the promised land is a place of belief and obedience. It is a place of belief and obedience. Very important. And I did, each of the points this morning is going to have a double piece because they go together. These always go together. Okay, belief or faith is a belief so strong, you have to act on it. That's how you know. We can talk about, oh yeah, I believe this, I believe that. Well, you know what you believe based on what you do. Because real belief always impacts our behavior. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. By the way, that's a pretty good starting point for faith, right? Believe that God exists. But you talk about some people who kind of call themselves people of faith. Well, do you believe God's really here? Do you believe he really exists? Oh, I don't know. Well, okay, you got a problem in your faith. They come to him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is fundamental. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called A New Home in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.